All right, so uh, hello, Alaska. This is Pat Race. And this is Matt Buxton. And this is a podcast about Alaska. Uh, we're trying something new this week. We're going to just do a little recap of the first week of the legislature. And uh, I don't know if this will become a regular thing or not, but we're going to try and keep it to like 10, 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. A little uh, little light news, a little light punditry. Um, and... Uh, <laughs> See see where we go from there. Yep. So this is my, oh, wow. Uh, it's my seventh year covering session, my seventh session, I believe. I co- start, showed up in 2012. Um, so, so this is my second year uh, doing it for the Midnight Sun, and so I am doing it remotely. Yeah, and it's been, it's been kind of nice, actually. Yeah. So do you feel like you're disconnected a little bit, though? I mean, like you're not able to pull someone aside and say, okay, tell me what the real story is here. Yeah. I mean, the the truth of the matter is I get a lot of that via text messages and phone calls and stuff. But yeah, I mean, like, so this, this week, this first week of session, we, uh, the Senate kind of started off very normally. Um, we have a Republican legislature there, Republican majority there. They're kind of doing their thing. Um, but the House, <laughs> the House has been something completely different. And that has been kind of a case where um, being there is sort of, you do miss out. You miss out on stuff like the uh, impromptu swearing in, ad hoc swearing in of a legislator at a courthouse. You miss um, <laughs> all the other kind of, you know, the floor sort of debates as everybody's sort of trying to figure out what they can and can't do without a permanent speaker in place, without a majority in place. All these sort of things are kind of uh, interesting, I guess, machinations of, of, of that you're kind of missing out on. But at the same time, you know, I, when I was there in person, I would be running around kind of killing myself trying to report on these things. And, you know, with the majority, you know, so the House doesn't have a majority right now. A lot of those discussions are all going on behind the scenes. I guess, like, my, my takeaway from the time that I was there is always that, like, some of this stuff just takes time. You know, as a reporter, you want to know what's going on at the exact precise moment that it's happening. Um, and sometimes people don't know. And, and so kind of having a little bit of space between that and, and myself has kind of been nice. Yeah, I'm running into that too. Like I just see a lot of people around town, you know, at the grocery store or whatever. And, and I talk to people who I feel like should, should know what's going on. And a lot of people just don't know what's going on right now. And it's because there's, it's very up in the air. And, um, I think when it happens, it'll just happen quickly. And, um, yeah, so the house organization, like I've talked to people who are longtime staffers. I've talked to people who are in the house of representatives and, and most of them don't really have any idea how this will be resolved. Um, I've also done a little bit of reading, like I was reading, um, some of the statutes and some of the uniform rules and I don't see why they can't just get things going unless I missed something. I mean, I probably did. I don't see why they can't just get things going under Neil Foster, who's been elected as speaker pro tempore. Um, you know, so he's like this in this temporary position, but I believe that the Alaska statutes give him all the powers of the speaker. It's just that he has to have a vote on like, let's vote on the speaker. And then if, if it's still deadlocked, I don't see why he can't just form committees after a while here. Yeah. You know, I, I actually haven't looked into this very carefully. I spent a lot of time trying to figure out what happens with Lieutenant governor and with the appointments process. So I understand that process a little better. I think a lot of it, though, is there's kind of a hesitation on their part um, from kind of establishing powers that they might not, they might have, but they might not clearly have. I think they want to avoid um, doing anything that you know, if, if they if he starts going and and the Republicans say you know call shenanigans on it, um, you don't want the first 
few weeks of session to be even worse and locked up in a Supreme Court battle. So I think they kind of just want to want to get to a normal spot. They don't really want to get to a spot where they're doing stuff that might would be open to legal challenge at a later date. Um, but they have been yeah. able to do some stuff. You know, they've they've sat um, Representative Sharon Jackson. They have they look like they look like they'll be able to hold a, um, a state of the state, um, and they've been able to figure out uh, how to keep on their staff for the time being. So they can kind of do some That's stuff. Good. And it looks like this week they're going to be holding some um, like impromptu kind of in- informal meetings where they're just kind of getting up to speed on budget stuff, which is what the Senate would did all last week. Yeah, and there's a lot of new people in the House this year, so it's really important that they get that foundation. <laughs> yeah, so they, that was interesting. So know. this morning, um, the the House Republicans, this is um, we're recording this on Monday the 21st, uh, they held a press conference at, um, in the morning, and, and there was kind of some talk about, oh, is there something happening? Of course, there, there wasn't, but one thing they talked about there was um, – uh, whether or not they're going to be able to get done in 90 days. You know, this is what the, the, the voters have asked for. And I think that was the thing that I heard Representative Tammy Wilson say, which I thought was a really good point, which is just like, this is a lot of work to pass a budget. And and it's and not only are we do we have um, new members, not only we do are we lacking a House organization, but we also have a new governor, and we have uh, who's got his own budget that's going to be due, that he's not going to get to them till like the middle of February. So there's a right. whole lot of reasons that this is going to take a little bit longer than 90 days, I think. Yeah, and I'd, I'd be interested in talking about those pieces of the puzzle because the so the governor has hired this this woman, Donna Ardwin, who has a lot of experience with budgeting in other states. She's worked in like five other states, and her pattern is that she comes in and she makes very deep cuts to a budget and then kind of floats away in, in somewhere between like five to ten months. And, uh, you know, takes a lot of the heat, but makes these kind of deep, but, um, you know, they're viewed as necessary cuts. And so um, my guess is that Dunleavy has employed her to come in and do the same thing in Alaska and make these deep cuts to our budget. And then they'll send that to the legislature. The thing, the element of that that's really interesting to me is that in a lot of these other states, they rely heavily on the veto power. So once the legislature does pack back in some of their pet projects, those will, those generally get cut out. Um, so I don't know if that's exactly the shape that things will take here, but it's a lot easier to, to cut a budget than to add things to it, I think. Yeah, I mean, that we, we and that's, that's really interesting that we're going to be watching for. I think like this first week was filled with, you know, we were talking before, you know, a lot of shenanigans this last week um, that I think are really kind of juicy and sort of fun to listen to. But I think like, you know, the material impact of David Eastman, Representative David Eastman trying to swear in a legislator through a deputy clerk is going to be just like the one of the most minor storylines of the session. Like the right. fact that we have this governor who's got this, you know, he's pledging like $1.6 billion of cuts, you know, because he's saying that we're going to match our expenditures to our revenues. And um, yeah. so we got $1.6 billion is kind of what is at least the number we're all kind of looking at right now. Um, out of a budget, out of a out of a flexible budget of just over what four point something, yeah. four point two, four point seven, something like that. Some yeah, it depends on how you kind of count up. Yeah, in the in the four yeah. billion dollar range, so almost half is kind of you know nearly half, I guess, is kind of what what we're talking about here. And so you know, uh, one of the things that we're really watching for is just how they decide to do these cuts. One of the big things that you we both kind of clued in this last week was this idea that they might be doing uh, some of these cuts or majority of these cuts as unallocated cuts, which is just a, they say, we were going to cut 20% of this budget and someone figure it out. And so... I 
I don't think they'll do that actually. Like they, yeah. it seems, it seems like if you want the budget cuts to not happen, that's the way to do it. But I think that eventually at some point, somewhere along the line, someone has to put their values down on paper and you can't just call it right sizing. You have to actually put together a budget that in, in, uh, you know, that incorporates these values. And so I think that for the first time ever, we're going to actually see, uh, in the new Dunleavy budget, I think we're going to see what it means. You know, what does right-sizing mean? What does cutting the budget mean? It's been a, like, popular campaign slogan, but no one knows what they're asking for. So it'll be really interesting to me to see people's reaction to getting what they wanted, what they voted for. Yeah, I think so, too. I think this is actually, like, a really healthy discussion for us as Alaskans to be having. You know, I think we're, we're there's a lot of reasons to be hesitant about a guy like Dunleavy driving the process, especially when he has line item veto power. So anything, so really if he wants to cut, he can kind of cut whatever he wants. Um, but yeah, I think it's an interesting conversation for us to be having as far as like, what services do we want? I mean, we, I could, I talk about this all the time about like, what kind of Alaska do we want to have? Um, I right. would, I, you know, I think a lot of people would probably prefer to have more, you know, tend to have more of the services, but uh, you know, maybe maybe the we we get through this process and they do decide that they want to cut stuff like, uh, you know, construction grants and uh, pioneer homes for senior citizens. But you know, there's other there are programs out there though that are you know those are kind of the popular ones for people to grab onto. But there are a lot of programs out there that I've talked to pretty moderate people who, you know, are pointing at three hundred thousand dollars here, a million dollars there that could be could be reduced. And I think if they are having a serious conversation about it, then maybe we'll get there. Yeah, and well, and the thing though is that you need an awful lot of million dollar cuts to add up to one point six billion dollars. Right, yeah. <laughs> I'm so excited. I was just gonna say I'm so excited to actually just see it on paper because it's it's just been this phantasm of Alaska politics of like, well, okay, show tell us what you actually want, and so now we're gonna actually get to see that for the first time in in you know a decade of talking yeah, about this kind of stuff. I think that's kind of um, where I've heard a lot of people. The kind of adopted not uh, this guy isn't falling sort of attitude under the Dunleavy administration. I think a lot of people, rightly so, after his election, were feeling really worried about what it would mean for Alaska. But I think a lot of people I've heard, I've talked to say basically, look, you know, he's going to be cut, proposing these massive cuts and they're going to be hugely politically unpopular. And maybe that's kind of the discussion we need to be having um, that will make actually make people kind of rethink some of their positions before. So... We'll see. But yeah. So uh, one other thing that happened this first week of the session is that Dunleavy rolled out his uh, PFD payment payback plan. Yeah. So um, you get an extra grand or so uh, tacked onto your PFD um, for the next three years. Uh, I don't know that that'll make it through the legislature or if it does, maybe it'll just be that first year gets funded because I don't think there's any way to hold um, the you know future legislators to the next couple of years of of that yeah. bill. Uh, this is an interesting one because like, you know, it's such a politically important thing to him. Um, but at the same time, he seems to almost kind of be like immediately waffling on it, which is, it was just interesting. I think, um, you know, I think that they made the argument that, uh, you know, when you sign up for your PFD, you're saying you're going to, you're intending to live in Alaska indefinitely. So that's why they are holding people to it and paying it out over three years. So you don't, you get your 2016 PFD this year in 2019, and then you wouldn't get your 2018 missed PFD until 2021. Um, right. I think it's going to be really interesting to see how that kind of messaging actually yeah, lands with people. Well, I, th I mean, I don't, I don't know 
that during his campaign he said anything about you know paying it all in one lump sum. So I I don't think that there's I think that paying it out this way is fine. I think that meets the kind of the bounds and intent of what he said he was going to do uh, if it does get distributed. The um, and I actually think that it's like from his point of view, I think it's actually a pretty good strategic move because if he does make all these politically unpopular cuts in the budget, it's going to drive people out of state. And if you have that thousand dollars hanging there for the next three years, maybe that maybe that buffers some of that um, exodus, and maybe Alaska's population doesn't fall into wild decline. Maybe it, it allows you to make some of those deep cuts and maintain some of our population mm-hmm. base. So I don't, I mean, I don't think it's an entirely bad move on his part. Um, I, I don't think it's a great move in terms of having a PFD in the future or um, being able to fund state government in the future. And uh, I'll probably have more to say about that later, but it's not, it doesn't, uh, you know, it, the the permanent fund could be gone if we misspend the mm-hmm. earnings. Uh, the earnings are part, are part of the fund. And uh, I think Dunleavy, for some reason, uh, tries to communicate that they're a different account or that there's some different special well, they, thing yeah, that you I mean, can the, just spend. The, the most recent argument was that the the it's about three billion or some three to four billion in there, which is which is all the the back PFDs, three and a half, I think. Um, basically argues that they shouldn't even be counted as part of that account anymore. That that the the real balance of that account isn't sixteen or eighteen billion, it's actually fourteen billion. So it's been an interesting sort of it's been interesting to watch how these kind of justifications sort of shift, yeah. I think. That's from the guy who said it was $20 billion during his campaign. Right. So, I, so I don't know. We'll see. Um, yeah, anyways, I'm looking forward to what, what unfurls here. And uh, maybe we'll get together and, and do a little recap next week and see where yeah. we're at. Yeah, I mean, I guess we'll see what happens uh, the remainder of this week. Uh, oh, I guess I did have one more thing I wanted to add. And I think that they... Um, like in the in the house, the disorganization. Um, one of the things that I think is really unfortunate about it is that in my years of observing the legislature, the the staff there carries a lot of the institutional knowledge, and uh, is really essential in in kind of keeping people on task and on oh, point. Totally, and yeah. uh, and I'm I'm seeing uh, like I'm seeing like hints of attrition that like some people are talking about you know clearing out their desk or some people are not excited to be there anymore and. Um, so the disorganization in the house could have a um, you know much bigger impact than is really visible. I mean, yeah, it's really tough right now. I mean, I think they they were they were looking like they're all going to get laid off basically. Um, if but then the the house was able to reach a unanimous agreement to keep them on while there's no speaker, but that only keeps two staff. I think is their authorization. So. What that means is, um, you know, like so finance committees, for example, like those members usually get more member uh, majority members usually will have an extra person or something like that. Um, so there's a lot of like kind of specialty staff out there, too, that are, are not going to be or aren't going to be hired at all until something comes together. And I think that is a good concern. I, I've looked around. I've seen. Yeah, I know a few staffers who've decided, yeah, yeah I'm done with Alaska. Yeah. So. And and that's uh, that institutional knowledge is really important, especially when you have a lot of new people coming through the door. So, and I think kind of the unfortunate result of that is that um, yeah, you'll see kind of potentially more partisan, more more kind of political pandering during this next session. You know, what kind of bills will we see that are specifically there to win votes on later on? So I guess we'll 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 have to watch for that too. Well, and we've already seen yeah. that. That's like all the pre-filed bills that Rauscher filed are all just like to heat up his his base. You know, it's like <laughs> I don't know that he intends for any of those to pass, but the, but he's put out a lot of like hot bills. Mm-hmm. So, 
So, um, I guess uh, yeah, as we so wrap up, I, we'll, we'll see are more there any other are there any pieces of legislation that you are excited about that you've seen so far? Uh, no. No. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> I don't know. Um I guess I'm uh I feel like I'm a little bit in a negative mindset right now. Um I'm not optimistic for the stuff that I do like and I'm uh and I have pessimism about the stuff that I'm worried about. So, um we'll see how it goes. That is, yeah, it's a pretty good summation of, I think, of the Alaska political mindset right now. So, well, uh, from a per- certain from point a certain of view, point of view, correct. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay, Matt, it's great talking yep. to you, and uh, we'll uh, maybe we'll try this again if uh, anyone is yep, listening. Yeah, sounds good. All right. <laughs> okay. Goodbye, See Alaska. You later.